Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's Wrong with the Podcast. Today, we're happy to be speaking with George Bileko. George is the co-founder and chief design officer at Voxel Architects. Through Voxel Architects, he's helping brands and blockchain communities build a digital presence in the leading virtual worlds, while also developing assets and infrastructure solutions that aid the metaverse rapid expansion. George studied in many fields, including architecture, product, and graphic design, ultimately specializing in transportation design. He got a BA in design in UK and further studied car body design in Munich, Germany. In mid-2019, he discovered the blockchain community and NFTs, marking the start of a new universe for him that resulted in entrepreneurship with co-founding Voxel Architects. Leading a team of 20 people, George has carried out challenging 3D construction projects for renowned companies and personalities such as Consensus, Sotheby's, Outlier Ventures, and Bill Lee. George believes that the metaverse is the future of the internet and that one day the metaverse and the real world will coexist and work together as a whole. Welcome to our podcast. Today, we have the great pleasure of speaking with George Bileka. George is the Chief Design Officer of Voxel Architects. George, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Pinar. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, actually, to correct you on that note, I have recently been promoted by the co-founder of Voxel Architects to Chief Executive Officer. Yay! Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> and here we'll have the effects on them, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you're sharing these exclusive news on our podcast. I'm joking. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, not, not necessarily relevant, but... Uh, <laughs> no, that's perfect. We'll definitely include that part. <laughs> we'll that. Uh, that, that's so awesome. But do tell us more about your like background, how you became part of Voxel, and what are you doing today? Sure. So my background is in uh, arts and humanities, um, and I've been doing art since uh, I was very little. I was very passionate about sketching, about drawing. I was always passionate about cars. I was passionate about buildings, and basically everything that you can draw, that a kid can like dream about, uh, about drawing. So I followed an art school, and at the end of that art school, School, the profile architecture and design because I found it really interesting and really uh, when I was like is for literally calling me the architect because I loved doing perspective drawings uh, and that was like let's say like a point of uh, launch for my career so to say that's why I followed architecture and design uh, so after I finished uh, school I decided to apply for university. I had the option to either go and apply to an architecture university or to do something that not a lot of people do and apply to a car design university. Which it was really uncommon in our country at that time because there are a lot of architecture universities that you can follow. I can three or four of them, but there was no car design uh, university. So I found that really interesting that I found that in UK and I just applied and I managed to get it in. Cars were a big passion for my life. So it was really hard for me to decide between cars and, uh, and structures. So um, after I did a 
car design university. I moved to Germany and I started to work on car body design and 3D modeling. So basically I, I was focusing on a professional software uh, named Alias Automotive and I was actually modeling the exterior and interior parts of a car. That's what they use as a standard in the automotive industry. Like people in the architecture industry use, let's say, a red or uh, AutoCAD for plans or all that software. Um, but what I found uh, is that throughout all my studies is that architecture, car design, industrial design in general, they are all interconnected, right? So it doesn't matter that if I did car design, I cannot do architecture or, or vice versa. Obviously there are some specifics to each category, but the essence, the core of it, art is basically the same, right? So there I was in Germany, I was actually um, at the start of the pandemic times, like an unfortunate, uh, uh, a series of unfortunate events, let's say, that led me to, let's say, stay at home and not be able to go to work anymore, right? So I was involved in this project, in this automotive project, which is called Crypto Motors. And it's one of the first ever NFT projects ever done. Um, and it was done by a really good friend of mine and my mentor in the automotive industry, uh, Landro Belloni, uh, who also happens to be the co-founder of Voxel Architect. So he teach me everything that he knew about, more or less everything that he knew about car design and car 3D modeling in Alias. Um, I also worked on some crypto motors cars. And at the end of 2019, I remember that I was sitting at home and I was researching a little bit into this NFT space because he had this NFT business and I was really curious, so what can you do with it, with the NFT? What is an NFT? Yeah. Like why, why would someone buy these cars, right? And I happened to stumble upon some virtual world that was called basically the metaverse back then. And imagine this was in 2019. So there was this virtual world, CryptoVoxels, a uh, blocky world similar to Minecraft where you basically, it's, it's a sandbox game. It's, uh, you can just create whatever you want using blocks. Yeah. Uh, and I did have previous experience uh, in, in the gaming, like I played Minecraft, I played The Sims. I yeah. think every, uh, every young architect in this world must have played Sims at least once. Yeah. Um, and also I did work as an architectural visualizer for a company uh, back in the day. So I knew how to model and create house and I also knew how to design things. So I just started out simple. Landro was not that much into architecture. So while he teach me how to design those cars, I teach him how to basically design a building in this virtual world. So it was kind of like a payback for what he did for me. So we designed, we decided that the first building we will ever do is gonna be a car dealership for his crypto motor car and i remember we got the land from a really good friend of ours uh he goes by the pseudonym whale shark uh 
uh, we cannot disclose his real name because he decides he decides to remain anonymous. Ah. But he was one of the early investors in the space uh, and an avid collector of crypto waters, and he just handed us the, this land just to play out with, you know, because you had to buy this this land in order to to try right. out new things. So we built this dealership, and apparently it was a huge success because most of the buildings in that virtual world at that time were very messy they were very um not walkable i don't know how to say not understandable right it's an entirely new concept walking through the metaverse uh and people didn't know to navigate through it so what we did is we tried to create something relatable we tried to create a building that people can walk through and actually relate to uh, and we create, let's say, a modern dealership, uh, just a simple design out of, let's say, wood and black tiles. And the fact is that the creator of this virtual world, Ben Nolan, actually noticed the building because it was like in the center. And he got really impressed by it. So we also got in touch with him and he said that he really loves our work. And one month after, we also got our first client, uh, which was also an investor in the space that he wanted to create uh, event spaces and galleries for his community. It was a really, really early NFT community. So think of early 2020, people weren't even talking about NFTs back then. So there, there I was creating this space this uh roman amphitheater where there was a weekly meeting like an agora type of meeting that you see in ancient greek yeah. where people were discussing about the evolution of the nfts wow yeah and slowly but steadily we increased client base because they basically love what we were doing in crypto voxels uh, and not only we increased our client base but we have also expanded to other virtual worlds so we also moved from crypto voxels to decentraland to summoning space and finally to sandbox which was released almost one year after our yeah. number graduated. um yeah and let's say from a tumor operation just me and ladro back in 2020 now we are sitting at about 21 people working full-time in both architects developing for brands in the metaverse. We work with big investors in the space. We work with art collectors uh, for which we build a lot of our galleries. We work for brands like Sabis, like Consensus and Metamask, uh, like Real Vision and, and many other many other brands in the space that I cannot disclose at the moment but they're in the making um but yeah I guess I would say um that it you know it feels like two years in the metaverse like these past two years since the company was founded passed really really fast and it feels like one year in the metaverse feels like five years in real life. it's just it's <laughs> just crazy <laughs> oh my god i think like it would be so interesting to touch base on the statement like five years from now and like see how you feel then you know like it's i feel like it's only getting 
like obviously it was like this oh what is nft type of conversation early pandemic and then now it's like the buzzword right like everybody has like wants an nft or at that point or maybe they're not there even like maybe it's still early adopters but a little bit more buzz around it and then it's going to be a point where everybody wants to be on there and then you guys are going to be like thousand people companies <laughs> that's, that's, i mean who knows no I mean, everybody's talking about the, the metaverse right now and the amount of, of requests that we get is absolutely crazy. We yeah. are actually we are actually developing our company more and more by the day we're employing more people to just face up with the demand. Yeah. So I guess besides, let's say, being involved in the space and having experience in design, we can also say that we were also extremely lucky to be in this yeah. space. Yeah. Uh, because we, we were there all at the right time, I would say. Yeah, and I love the multidisciplinarity and like the background too, and um, you know, being partly in car design and um, in architecture, and kind of learning from both, but also understanding, um, you know, who to bring in and in what like specific your point, right? Like when you go into the specialization of each field. So uh, we very much appreciate. Um, blurring the boundaries between disciplines uh, at Sour too. So I, uh, I loved hearing that story. Um, I, I guess like my question is, and you know, we kind of always start with like a diagnostics uh, in a, a part in our episodes. Um, obviously there is a lot of discussion around issues that might come up about in the world or the self-generated problems we're creating in the world through like this uh well first i guess like cryptocurrency in general um but as in addition to all the potential right because with anything new that we're bringing into the world it has its benefits and it has its issues um and also like fast growth is a uh, as exciting it is can also be like a perfect environment to accumulate a lot of uh, mistakes as you grow too, right? So um, I think in like any systems theorists will uh, tell like governments or corporations to slow down in order to like see, um, but we're in such a world now and especially once this is in the virtual space, it's even faster. Like you can't build a city overnight in the real world, right? But you can technically in the metaverse. So, well, not technically. No, I didn't say that. You know that better, obviously. But it, like, my point is, it can be much faster compared to the real world. Um, so, I guess, like, my question is, um, not that I don't even know what future problems we might be creating for ourselves in this like new space in general. What are some things that you see that? we the industry needs to be cautious about or things that we need to think twice before we're getting into um or like uh, and it's kind of like i'm almost seeing this as a little bit you know like you wouldn't go and self-medicate i mean you can but you should self-medicate yourself you should see a doctor like i'm almost like trying to also understand who will be the experts in this field as yourself that you consult so you don't go and like mess up something and things that is such unknown that what are the problems that you think might generate or we might be creating in the world through all these like 
very fast growing fields happening all at once and all interconnected, like in the metaverse through NFTs to crypto and all of that. So yeah. there's loaded questions. <laughs> yeah, totally feel you and, and yeah, it's, it's understandable. I mean, like with every progress, uh, every progress has its own, you know, downsides, its, its own limitations uh, and its own problems. So I'd say the biggest problem, like specifically talking about a metaverse, the biggest problem that the metaverse is facing right now is scalability. So it's very hard for the technology that we have right now to scale at the level that we want to scale. Right. So even though that even though the business might be scaling fast, the metaverse and the technology is not scaling as fast as our business. Right. right. Um, so I would say that maybe we will have to wait a couple of years and see what happens and see uh, when will the mass adoption of the metaverse will happen. I mean, the thing is, here's the thing, the metaverse was is existing for a long time. Right. The metaverse at, at its core is basically the internet, right? Like everything that we had from web two, uh, even web one, I would say until this point has been the metaverse. More specifically, when we are referring to virtual worlds, we had games, we had video games like The Sims, we had video games like Minecraft, like Roblox that already existed, that already did what the metaverse was supposed to do. Yeah. The interesting part about the metaverse right now is that it has this blockchain part attached to it. Yeah. And this is a game changer. So another, another issue that the metaverse is facing, uh, speaking about cryptocurrency, it's the regulation of cryptocurrency. As you probably know, I know that Turkey, for example, uh, banned Bitcoin. For, for a period of time because uh, they were able to figure out how to really this right? right? Uh, likewise for, for China, right? So this is a huge issue that metaverse is facing right now, the blockchain metaverse I'm talking about, uh, because it is at its core based on those cryptocurrency, is cryptocurrency ecosystem, right? right. And it's trying in a way to revolutionize revolutionize the way that we look at things, the way that we interact with things, the way that we touch things, right? Um, and yeah, it comes, it does come with its hiccups. Uh, speaking about the people, speaking about the architects, a problem that architects might be facing, it's actually getting into this industry. And we call ourselves voxel architects and we design buildings in the metaverse. But it's much more complex than that to, to design buildings in the metaverse. Like, you know, you can you can build a building in Rhino. I have experience in Rhino. I have built a lot of buildings previously in Rhino, but you cannot just take that building that you have done in Rhino and just slap it in the metaverse. You cannot just design something in Revit and call it that you did it in the metaverse. If you wanna put your building out there, you will need to have an understanding as an architect, not only of architect, but also about game design and art, which I was mentioning before, like yeah. I was mentioning card design. And the reason why I like card design so much is 
because of the process that it's involved behind the design of every car. So when you design a house, you gotta take care of about like also the structural integrity of the house. Right. And, and also some architects are very, let's say, uh, simplistic in what they do. Like if someone says, design me a building, they will just design them a functional building. Right. You know, because that's what some architects do too. But when you, but in the car industry, that's different because the level of competitivity there is yeah. much bigger. And the design process that they're implementing, it uh, helps them create new and exciting shapes that you cannot see on other car. Look at Lexus, for example. Like I love how Lexus, for example, uh, gets his inspiration from leaves like just simple leaves and when they're looking at the shape of the leaf and where they're creating like the shape of the body you can actually see the resemblance with the leaf. Zaha Hadid for example that create that got inspired by the honeycomb to create some some of her buildings uh, and and shapes like those fluid shapes that she was creating. Uh, Frank Gehry that has created the Louis Vuitton foundation and that was inspired by the by the motion of the of the water and the fish you know and i found that really interesting and inspiring and yeah. that's how i understood that there is this connection between the design of of cars and and the design of everything in general you've got to have that inspiration you got to create something new and this is what the metaverse is all about the metaverse is about creativity it doesn't really matter how well you execute a building in Revit and how well you can render a building in Revit. It's all it matters here is having that creative touch as an architect to create something new and exciting for the player, right? This you don't have any technical limitation. Forget about every technical limitation. Right. You you only have like you're only limited by what the code of that projective metaverse tells you. Uh, and yeah, this is an issue that architects might face uh, and getting used to. Uh, it's a combination of architecture, design, game design and development, and also coding. So programming is a huge plus, right. especially because you don't have engineers in a metaverse, but you do have people that are coding the stuff. So. When you're thinking of when you're designing something in real life, uh, you have the design on paper, you translate it into a real building, and then all the interactions are there, right? Like as soon as you put a door, you can just open the door. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like that. When you do that in the metaverse, no, it's not like that. You have to code the door to be able to open, you have to code the elevate to be able to function. You have to code the people that are walking, the virtual people that are walking there to be interactive and actually speak with you. So there's another layer of depth in this because you were mentioning like a building in a metaverse will obviously take less than a building in real life. But actually that's what a lot of people think. And it does take less, but not as much as you think. Right. Like we still, ha we still have to go through that design process that architects usually go when they're designing a house. Like it can take one month, it can take two months. After which, let's say the 3D modeling phase, and that could be the equivalent of the of the actual building phase, can take three weeks, and in real life, let's say it can take three months, right? 
But then comes the interesting part because you have the coding part, which adds another layer of complexity to the building, which can be a month or two months, depending on everything right. that you want your building to do. Um, so I would say that the metaverse is not uh, the real world, the metaverse is just complementary to the real world. And it's another way of seeing and visualizing things. And I think all it comes with his with its drawbacks right now, with its scalability issues and with its, let's say, um, problems with lag at the moment and mm. crashes and all that stuff of period that basically every software has to go through. I think it comes with huge advantages also. And the advantages of this is that it has an opportunity to create a lot of jobs, a lot of new jobs. Like you cannot find jobs as an architect in real life because right. there are so, so many people that are following an architectural school and so few people that actually manage to get in. But the metaverse creates another opportunity for that. And if you take your time to study and actually try to get in the metaverse and try to understand how it works, you might find your job, yourself a job for life. Um, so yeah, that's my, my take on this. I think that's such a good point because in the end, there is a job crisis, not even like in, you know, in the design space or architecture, like in real life too, just so that, you know, architects are not in control of their medium, right? Like they rely on contractors, engineers, a developer, like the construction loan the bank is going to give that are all these factors that are totally external to the architect's process, yet your project relies on that. Whereas in metaverse, if you have control over the design and coding, you are more control of your final outcome as like an artist, right? Where like in art, you can create your artwork and say, this is my artwork and there's no one else to judge you. But in, in architect's uh, profession, you're so constrained but by all the other like regulations, like so many parties that um, you may not realize what you have intended uh, in the first place. So I find uh, it very exciting to be able to create with, yes, you will have constraints obviously or limitations due to technology, but uh, you have so much more flexibility on what that virtual world looks like. Um, which is also like mind boggling to me. Sometimes I see these like spaces that are, that look like a building in the real world. And I think it's kind of like, I see it as a transition into the metaverse where like we do seek some familiarity, right? Like we do want to see a building to get into in the virtual space. Um, but then like, and then I can imagine 10 years from now, what we call a building is may look completely insane and different, right? Like it's gonna evolve in such a crazy way that that's how I also definitely see your point in um, this being complementary to the real world because it will be this like crazy world that we cannot experience in the real world anyway. Um, so, and to your point too, it's like in gaming and in the game worlds, we had this already, right? Like you had worlds built for games themselves. Um, but now it's also becoming more accessible to general public um, and just creates like additional experience to their like day to days. Um, I will get into all the like 
like philosophical questioning in a little bit and you know like and the matrix conversations but before that i think it's interesting what you said on scalability because assuming you know we do provide equitable education for everyone and people can get into fields like architecture or programming and things like that can be part of metaverse there is a huge opportunity of employment as you said and the scalability of uh, issue, like issues around scalability. And I think, I guess what's interesting is also like, especially on the cryptocurrency side, the sustainability issue, the energy consumption, like there's various dimensions to the scalability factor. Uh, I think it's important that you're highlighting that too, because those are the things that really do need to get addressed for us to be um, some, not like something that actually uh, creating more issues in the world, but actually solving, potentially solving some of the problems, given that, you know, we provide the education uh, for like younger generations to be able to be part, to resolve so much of like employment crises that happen throughout the world. So, um, so I'm glad you highlighted that too, because um, I think it's important to kind of like be aware and address these early on so that, you know, um, we don't have these like self-generated issues many years later that we did not address in time. Um, but just like those are kind of like what made me think in terms of both like things that we need to address today, but the potential of where this is going. Um, and of course, like, I think I have to ask just because Matrix 4 came to the world like after many, many years and um, and then, uh, you know, we also, it's also fascinating for me to like hear from younger generations and their perspective on things. And obviously like how millennials thought are different, different than Gen Z and how Gen Z thinks is gonna be different than, I guess, an alpha, right? Who's probably gonna be the main users of the metaverse. Um, th there's a lot of questioning around, what we've did to our planet earth where this is going and then the fact that all the issues in this world and the willingness to either isolate ourselves from it or forget it for a while and therefore want to be in an alternate world and then the question is that how attractive that alternate world does become uh, that we spend more and more time there and there was this um interview i think with like kiana reeves on um on matrix i think that like uh two uh people who are like gen z were having conversations with kiana reeves about like the matrix he's explaining the movie um and he's explaining the concept saying you know the real world like you have a purpose and the matrix you don't and um we're trying to get back get people back to the real world and the Gen Z are like, why? Um, and he's like, well, you know, because it's the real world, we have to go back to the real world. They just don't understand. Like, because they're like, well, if you're happy in the matrix, like, why do you want to go back to the real world? So that's fascinating to me to see like how our point of view is like generationally also changing too. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, um, obviously like how we think of metaverse today is different and the upcoming generations are gonna have a total different view on this. And what it, what what is your feeling? And I know you already said like, it's gonna be a complimentary world, but what are your thoughts about like preference of one world to another 
and also like what upcoming generation might expect from the metaverse. So uh, to touch a little bit on that subject that you mentioned with, with Ken Reeves and the metrics, uh, I think that's a, a really interesting point. Like, why would you want to go back when you have like this beautiful universe that you're living in? Well, the fact is that universe that you're living in, it's dependent on the universe that sucks, right? Unfortunately, that's the reality. So uh, that's like I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go into any cosmic stuff whatsoever and talk about reptilians and all that stuff, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about the fact that we are creating a universe, right? Uh, with all this development in AI and, uh, uh, and the, the development of this virtual world and the fact that you can meet virtually and talk with someone we are literally on the verge of creating something of our own, right? Our, our own universe within our universe. So I like to compare this like with the appearance of blockchain, there comes this expansion, like this, all this metaverse popping up left and right, 50, 100, 100 versions of virtual worlds that are essentially part of the same universe. It's similar to what happened with a big bang of our universe, right? So it's just literally a big bang of the metaverse. It's finally emerging. And you have all these different, all these different metaverses that you can compare with planets and you can fly from one planet to another and they're interoperable or maybe they're interoperable, they're lighter zone, but they're still cool and can jump one to another. So, that's really cool, but ultimately you will still have to go back to the real world and take care of it because that's the way you're going to sustain this metaverse, this uh, dreamy world that you want to live in, right? It's always a trade-off, uh, not only in this, but in life in general. Like you got to pay a price for everything that you do. Um, and the real world, it's more important than the metaverse i would say at the moment uh, <laughs> unless we're uh, all plugged in you know where this could go right the movie tells us <laughs> yeah i mean i mean unless you have a full-time job in a metaverse and actually working to produce something in real life i mean that can work too right like right. imagine you work fully in a metaverse you are at a counter desk and you are speaking with one and that thing that action actually translates to a real life interaction. Right. So it can be vice versa, do something in real life and that translates into the metaverse. So ultimately they will affect each other. Uh, and you talked a little bit about Bitcoin and sustainability and uh, well, yeah, Bitcoin has been a problem uh, with the proof of work. Like when, when Bitcoin was new, Nobody was talking about this because nobody understood the effects of this right from the start. But eventually as the time went by, people started to understand the amount of power that it requires to run this whole ecosystem. So what happened, people came with a new system. So instead of using proof of work, everything moved to a proof of stake, right? And the proof of stake basically uh, eliminates the need of miners of the world 
-hmm. at least that's what I understood, right? Um, meaning that the power consumption will, uh, will decrease dramatically. I don't know if that's a good move or not. I, I'm, I'm being skeptical right now of every new innovation because right. said, every new innovation has its drawbacks. Right. So I'm not sure if this proof of stake will solve all the issues, but I know that that proof of stake, it's aimed to solve the issues that, the, that Bitcoin and Ethereum are facing right now. And that's why people are so hyped about Ethereum 2.0 because right. that is, is meant to, emerge from a proof of work to a proof of stake and solve that uh, sustainability issue that Bitcoin currently has. Yeah, no, I think that's important to highlight because I'm not bringing those up to be like, I mean, yes, I think we should skeptical about be skeptical about everything that comes to the earth and just question, right? Not even being skeptical, but why are we doing this? Is this good for us? Because I think we are at an a, a day and age where when something new comes about, we have so much more information and access to be able to understand what could be the associated problems, right? And therefore we also have the opportunity to resolve them or address them much quicker. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the real estate construction industry, they have been unsustainable for hundreds of years, maybe at this point, right? Um, but we did not have the information. We didn't care about sustainability. Like we, I mean, in 1950s, there were ads about throwaway life, basically just use plastic and toss it away. That's like 60, what, what, no, 70 years ago. I mean, it's really, it's less than hundred years ago. So I think like now that we have so much more um, awareness and caution, especially around, I guess, the climate crisis and yes we're in an environmental crisis in general in the world um there is like even though bitcoin did grow quite as much to come to the level where it is now there's a big like uh, energy consumption issue it is still detected earlier on in its like future right to be able to address it the, maybe we have less tolerance towards these issues. Maybe that's why we're like uh, attacking it. But we, it's a good thing, right? Like I think those like uh, control mechanisms do need to happen anyway as anything evolves, which is why I think with like anything new, it's worthwhile to have a conversation. What are your concerns or what should we be watching out about? Um, which, you know, we definitely... Did not weren't capable of doing as much back in the day just because we didn't have the means or the technology or access to information. Um, so I do hear you when you're saying like, I'm skeptical, you know, is it going to work? But it's like prototyping, right? Like there has to be some action towards it. We can't just say like, oh yeah, so Bitcoin is really like bad to the environment. Let's just all drop it. No, we also see the advantages that come with that. Um, but there's, it's a great point to just like uh, approach everything with a little bit like, okay, but why? Like questioning. Um, and I think uh, to your point, which is very interesting is, you know, like you were saying in the metaverse, maybe there will be job opportunities in the metaverse. So you don't have to like come back to the real world that often, which sounds like, uh, like crazy for us maybe at this stage. And I, I'm not even saying like how we say it, maybe like as coming off as like skeptical. But the thing is though, like 
when the metaverse is at that level, that generation like of population, maybe they, I mean, that they're okay with that. Like if we told someone hundred years ago that our lives would be controlled by a mini device and we would be looking at it like half of the day, it would tell, are you crazy? Like, are you being controlled by a device? That's insane. Like, why would you ever do that, right? Do we mind doing it now? No. So I think it's kind of like what sounds like far-fetched to us would just be like, yeah, sure. For like that population who's already like coming to the world immersed into such technology. Um, like I have a three and a half year old daughter. She thinks Google Home and Alexa are people. Like she talks them. <laughs> so, you know, like for her, it's totally normal having like digital friends or like virtual friends or maybe interacting with robots. Like it's already, she's three and it's already normal. Um, so I think in that way, sometimes people see it always as like, oh, like it's such a, it's going to be such a grim world. Everybody's going to be like, uh, like uh, um, online and it's going to be like, everybody's going to be like gamers, but you know, like we don't know what the world is going to be at that state and like what the population needs at that time. So it's, I don't know if it's really our place to dictate how a bright or a grim future it brings. It's you know, just what it's, what's important to discuss is that it doesn't destroy the planet as we're doing so. I mean, and I mean, not it doesn't it doesn't destroy it at all. That's that's the point, and that's why I'm I'm mentioning this. Like, it will actually benefit the planet. This, believe it or not, like think about the fact that if people will work in a metaverse, they won't have to commute to work in the first place. That already eliminates the need of. But like the traffic jams solves a lot of traffic jam problem solves uh like removes a lot of cars from the street and a lot of like uh, nocive uh gases you know so that in itself is a huge benefit and who knows what other benefit benefits can the metaverse bring with it because as i mentioned earlier the real world helps the metaverse exist and a metaverse helps the real world yeah with this kind of stuff yeah, no, that's such a good point because there is a lot of concepts and I'm sure you came across around like 15 minute cities, like creating walkable uh, neighborhoods and environments and eliminating the need of cars, which is ironic because you come from like car design too. So I'm sure it's a bittersweet <laughs> moment for you. Um, but also like that is really not feasible if you're still working for companies or corporations and have to commute to their offices because you have no control over um, where their offices are, right? Like without going to work, you can maybe create, yes, a, a walkable like lifestyle for yourself in a day because that's your social experience or how you do your shopping or visit a doctor. And as long as those like uh, uses are integrated into neighborhoods, um, that is feasible to do. But once you put the component of work, work starts to like, you can't necessarily have an office in every neighborhood, right? So it's kind of like that we have to recognize that these like ideal sustainable concepts also needs the digital world to exist and be able to, I mean, we saw the pandemic showed us, like it was a big deal working remote for so many companies, right? It was a complete no-no. And over like a course of like maybe two weeks, suddenly everybody was okay with it. Like, I don't know how many times I probably created carbon footprints, having to travel 
to a meeting that I necessarily have to be there in person. And we eliminated all of those. I think we became more efficient. Um, did it also highlight some of the uh, issues that already existed pre-pandemic, pre like access to computer, access to internet, um, being able to um, really, you know, utilize um, your electronics without uh, too much uh, energy consumption, like all of those problems that were already part, the pandemic just sort of amplified that and showed us the need to address those. But that doesn't mean we need kind of it's also a solution like this to alleviate some of the problems we're experiencing in the world, as you said. Um, it's really just um, there is a I mean, I think there's a huge tendency for like anything you just like X out. It's easier, right? Oh, it's that already, you know, like it's uh, polluting the world or it's, you know, when somebody, something bad uh, comes up, everybody's quick to kind of like rush a judgment. But I think the, the idea is more so that how are we aware of any like potential issues that come about as this new big bang is happening and how can we address those in a timely manner and really use this new world to benefit our own world because what we have currently as a system in our world is not sustainable anyway. Yes, definitely. And I loved, I loved your point that you made with the office and being able to work online. Like at, at the beginning, like companies were scared or like, oh, we're gonna lose profits. We're not, we're not gonna be able to work anymore. But actually working online for some companies specifically was the best thing that ever happened, you know? And the fact of the matter is the pandemic is gonna end and they're gonna still be working online because it's so convenient, all right? So why, why would you stop something that you can even save a lot of money as a company just by doing this? Like, why would you not try to save money and boost your profits as a company? Exactly, and it's, it's as long as like people have access to internet and computer, it also brings it, uh, access and inclusion and flexibility to so many people. I mean, I, I know people who were rejected from colleges, people living with disabilities because the college yeah. campuses are inaccessible. And suddenly now like they're also say, oh, now everyone's okay with like online education or online working. And so, so many people like commuting maybe is even harder for them for many different reasons. For them, suddenly also everything became more accessible. Uh, right. So for for a mother who's also like ha needs to have more flexibility in her schedule, working from home became chaotic, but also has the potential to be flexible. So I think in that sense, it kind of allowed us to be in an ironic way, more human because we allowed more freedom and flexibility to people uh, and didn't demand stopped demanding physical presence in an office space. I mean, obviously like we're social animals. We do also, there's a huge benefits of being at the same place as your teammates from time to time, but we also recognize the need that it doesn't have to be every day. And it's kind of an overkill, so. Yeah, and like with, with all the technology that we have today, we can still have these interactions that we need to have uh, like and, and benefit from, from this, even though we don't have that, like that real life touch. 
it's still something that we can go by every day and the pandemic proves to us. It's not like we were starting to, to crawl on walls because we were having meetings in Google Meets and not in real life, exactly. for example, at least not for me. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. Um, uh, Matt, I'm, I'm going to ask a, one real quick question too. And I know the intent of Metaverse is that, you know, this alternate world that we're experiencing and kind of, I guess, living in, right? Um, but we also obviously see the huge benefit of having digital twins. And this is, you know, like how Revit, for example, enables that in like architecture for many other uh, opportunities around simulation, right? And this can be just simulation, different future scenarios. It can be simulating risk, things that either are too costly or uh, dangerous to test in the, in the real world. Um, how do you see like advancements in metaverse, I guess, kind of like enabling or expanding our opportunities to test and experiment further? Um, things that may be too costly to do in the real world or too risky to do, or we don't even know how to do. How do you see that, that like a uh, kind of efforts around like simulating things and um, the metaverse, like developments around those kind of like feeding each other? I mean, the metaverse, the, the virtual world is literally a software, right? And it has to be done by software developers, just like they work in, Revit, you have different tools to test, let's say, some parts of the building uh, and, and other products, you know. Um, you also have, let's say, a virtual world tailored for, for testing this. Uh, I, don't, I don't think specifically like you will see, you will have like a, a building test, a, a, a test in the metaverse of a building falling over because literally nothing will happen in the metaverse, <laughs> right? Like if a building falls on you, you have you can either fly away from me or catch you with a finger, you know? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think that's what specialized softwares are for. Mm. And I don't necessarily see that thing uh, a necessity in the metaverse. Um, but what, what I was about to say something regarding regarding what you said earlier. Uh, so you mentioned testing the the structures of the building, and before that, you mentioned something else. Um, well, I was talking about like I guess access and flexibility to people all around, and then I jumped to the question around simulation, um, especially. Oh to... yeah, digital twins. Yeah. Yes. No. Now remember, digital twins are going to actually be a huge thing in the metaverse. So right now, for example, we are building something similar in the metaverse. We are building a, a first one of a kind house in the metaverse and also in the real world, like at the same time. And this house is basically going to be packaged like the virtual house and the real one, they're going to be packaged as an NFT and sold wow. in an auction. So it's going to be one of the first purposely built houses to be to be sold as NFTs, right? Wow. And that's in itself is a huge milestone. 
And as the, the president of Saudi Arabia was saying, we are trying to push the boundaries of real estate. Uh, and we are trying to adopt like NFTs as, as a new standard of acquiring items. Hmm. Because NFTs will act as title of properties for, for houses, right? Imagine, imagine we are ditching papers. That's another huge benefit for the environment. Right. right. We, are, we are ditching all the papers and everything is going to be digital and your house certificate will basically become an NFT certificate that you'll have in your wallet and you're going to be able to prove that that house is yours through that NFT if the law and the government will approve this, yeah. which will, will eventually do. They will eventually do, yeah. Yeah, it just need, just need to be proven that this, that is possible. Another use for digital twins is actually to present a house in the real life, right? Like if you are if you are a real estate agent, <laughs> let's say not you did not necessarily build that house and sell it as an NFT, but you just want to present it. You build an exact same copy of that house in a metaverse, and you walk with the client through it. And Imagine that you don't only see that house, but you also see neighboring houses. So you see your neighbors in the metaverse, which are equivalent of the neighbors in real life. That's um, so awesome because, like, I, we were just talking about this the other day. When you're moving, how much of a pain it is to go and see houses, how much time that consumes, and how inefficient that is to see where you want to move into. I would rather just have a virtual tour of all the potential houses and then pick one and then move into the real one. I would really very much prefer that. Um, this made me think of that. That's, that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, this, this literally has the potential to revolutionize the entire industry and, and the way that we see houses and further reduce the carbon footprint. So there are already three main advantages of reducing the carbon footprint through the metaverse and through the cryptocurrency. And cryptocurrency in itself is an entire other subject. Right. Uh, like about decentralization, being able to take control of your, of your goods or your money. Um, the fact that you cannot print, let's say more money whenever you want to. Yeah. Like that's one big selling point of, of crypto. Um, and and many, many advantages, you know, that basically intertwined with the metaverse and create this new and exciting environment uh it's it's so fascinating since like the financial system basically created well didn't create this world i mean if we're going to talk about big bang something else created this world but how it's run and managed and, and the, all the systems basically were built based on that capital um, system that, or like in US, it's like the Federal Reserve Bank or whatever. And now we're seeing this like new and exciting world that is based on something that is um, much more decentralized and also less easy to manipulate, right? Yeah. Like at least like, I don't necessarily understand how it could be manipulated. Um, at all um, at this point, or maybe I, because I'm outside of the field, I can't understand. But um, now we're seeing this, like the other world being built on a completely different infrastructure. Um, and it's almost, it's to me, it's exciting to see is that where is it gonna go, right? Like how it can evolve. Like I, we do have an understanding 
of the flexibility and advantages that it can bring, but we don't even know like its full potential yet. And that's super exciting. Um, and I think, you know, um, we're, that's why we also wanted to have this episode with you to really like hear what is happening today and where do you think it might be going? Um, so I guess like, because we have such a, like also a young listening base too, we are always, um, mindful of trying to wrap up with a piece of advice that you would give for anybody who wants to test new things, explore new ideas, push boundaries, make progress in this world. What would be your advice to them? I guess my, my advice would be to research and explore and most importantly, be brave to, to discover new things. Um, you know, like, when we stepped into the metaverse, we had no idea what we signed up for. We just, we just did, you know, like we just, we, we were just there. We tried to explore new things and, you know, here we are right now doing what we're doing. So the metaverse presents itself a huge opportunity and the more people are engaged in this and the more people will explore and not be afraid to try out new things as opposed to what they do in real life, I think that the metaverse will have a huge opportunity to develop just by, by the courage of these people. Um, I actually know a lot of people that made like huge advantage, advancements in the NFT space, uh, right from the beginning, right from like I was mentioning that type of events at weekly gathering. And there were not many people, like there were like 50 or 60 people gathering in that event weekly. And discussing about NFTs and people who didn't even know what NFTs were at the time and they were not interested because they were too busy with their day-to-day -day problems right. uh, that they forgot to like they were you know how is a for example a horse that has like his side covered just to see in front but they were not they are not seeing in perspective they are too focused to follow that carrot that's in front of them that they do not see left and right. So I would say like, just open your eyes for new opportunities because they can lie around at every corner. It just happens that you just ignore them um, and the world is full of them. This was awesome. Thank you so much, George. I know we can, we're over time and we can talk about I, this for many more. I mean, I would, I would, I would have talked, I would have talked even more about this, you know, like I would have gotten into, into gaming, but you know. I know, I I know. we only had one hour, but this was like a great synopsis, I guess. And uh, so helpful for us to like have an understanding of what's happening today, what's the potential. And uh, I love your um, advice on, you know, just be brave. And I think, you know, any new innovation is, uh, comes with a lot of unknowns and sometimes even like scary size, but I think we can all pursue that with right attitude and uh, collaboration. So thank you so much for making the time. This was such a treat and well needed for us after, um, you know, after this like big hype and, you know, so much conversation around um, our virtual world and ourselves. I love being here and I really enjoy talking with you. Thank you. 
And that is this week's episode of What's Wrong with the Podcast. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting platform. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Links can be found in the episode description, and you can also find them on our website, podcast.whatswrongwith.xyz. If you found value in the show, we would appreciate if you could rate us and leave a review, or you can simply tell your friends about us. For more details on our guests, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to join us next week. Thank you for listening.